Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen. I'll be your host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 54 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Charles Houdon edition. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the Charles Houdon, to my Mikhail Grabowski, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I am doing really well. And uh, Mikhail Grabowski, remember that? <laughs> do we remember that guy? Do uh, we remember that no. guy? My goodness. Uh, what a... What a huge pile of drama that always surrounded that guy. Yeah. Um, he was, you know, he did things that upset uh, Guy Carboneau, and, and he was, he was um, uh, uh, in the press box, scratched for, I think, uh, 25, 30 games in a row. Um, and then he went on <laughs> to the Leafs, and, and there was a huge feud between uh, Grabowski and the Kostitsans. Um, yeah. And Grabowski, and this is about 10 years ago, and, and Grabowski uh, challenged uh, Sergei uh, Kostitsin to a fight on the street and said he was no longer a, a, a Belarusian because uh, he wouldn't fight. He was more French. And then the, the Canadians crowd got mad at Grabowski for saying that. And and then Grabowski bit uh, 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 Max Pacioretty. Uh, and that, I mean, it was just a whole soap opera. He was, what an odd, odd character he was. Yeah. And I mean, he kind of became a productive NHLer in Toronto. So it was, for whatever reason, he just did not, uh, did not fit in too well with Montreal, but I guess he, no. he was kind of by nature, the Toronto Maple Leaf. He needed to go over there to the other side, <laughs> but, uh, anyways, <laughs> sorry, I got sidetracked here. there. Just no. when you mentioned that name. We needed to go down that road. I mean, and, and I would even have forgotten that he wore number 54 for the Canadians because I believe it was 84 for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So um, something right. like that. But anyways, so we're here for another episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. And boy, oh boy, do we have a show for you. So after we go off the air, about an hour afterwards, the Montreal Canadiens are going to be playing in St. Louis, uh, finishing up the season series with the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. So coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to kind of preview that game a little bit. And uh, before we do any of that, we're going to look back at the week that was and talk about the game that the Montreal Canadiens played against the Blues just last week. So with all that said, uh, we do have the question of the week that we will get to if we have time, but, uh, but that will be time permitting. And uh, it is how many goals do you think Cole Caulfield is going to score for the Wisconsin Badgers? Because he's off to a great start, and we're going to talk about that. But before we go anywhere, before we go anywhere else, we need to talk about something that happened 62 years ago today. Today, uh, October 19th, 1957, 
And uh, were were any of us born then? I don't think so. Um, (laughs) But uh, October 19th, 1957, um, uh, Maurice the Rocket Richard uh, became the first 500 goal scorer in the NHL. First first to reach that 500 goal plateau um, in a 300, a 3-1 win um, uh, versus Chicago at the, the Montreal Forum. Uh, and um, fittingly, uh, it was a pass from Jean Beliveau uh, to Richard and the Rocket beat uh, Chicago goalie Glenn Hall for his 500th career goal. Um, he would go on to, uh, in his career, get 544 goals in the NHL. That's currently uh, number one, uh, number 31 on the uh, all-time list. And if you think about Canadians players who've, who've crossed that plateau, of course, uh, Jean Beliveau, uh, Guy Lafleur, and also Frank Mahovlich. Um, so I, I just thought it was, it's, it's a historic day and, uh, uh, good to think back on, uh, the rocket and, and partly because, uh, you know, that relates to the name of our parent company, rocket sports media. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, certainly anytime that we can get, uh, the late great Maurice, the rocket Richard in there, you have to do it. And today, I mean, the first guy to score 500 goals in NHL history. It's absolutely a, a worthy mention. Um, so as I said, we're going to talk about Cole Caulfield. And um, last night, he played again for the Wisconsin Badgers. And I think he's, it's fair to say that he's got Canadians fans just a little bit excited with his goal-scoring prowess because he's got six goals now in three games played. And uh, a lot of people, I think, uh, are looking at Cole Caulfield as being a guy that could be a, uh, a goal scorer for the Montreal Canadiens for a very long time. Maybe not quite as long as Maurice the Rocket Richard, but looking at some of this, uh, some of the output that he's put in for the Wisconsin Badgers thus far, uh, certainly fans are uh, justifiably excited for what Cole Caulfield could potentially bring to the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, our question of the week, how many goals will Cole Caulfield score? And, uh, you know, we've seen, we've seen uh, on, on social media, we've got people <laughs> saying uh, 80, uh, 100. Um, how many goals will he score? And uh, if you want to uh, participate, uh, be sure to hit us up on Twitter or uh, Facebook, um, or we remind you that this is a live uh, podcast. You can call the studio at 213-943-3754. If you want to talk to us, call us at 213-943-3754. You can also, if you're listening on demand, with which so many uh, of our listeners do, and we thank you for that, you can text us. Text us anytime 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Rocket Sports uh, text text line is 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. And yes, uh, Cole Caulfield uh, was back at it last night. And uh, uh, in his third, only his third uh, game of his collegiate career uh, for the University of Wisconsin. And... Um, uh, the Badgers were playing a, a, an old rival in UMD, University of Minnesota Duluth uh, Bulldogs. 
and uh, it's actually a, 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 a twin bill because they play again um, uh, t- uh, t- tonight, and um, uh, they came out on the on the uh, uh, on top, and uh, Cole Caulfield scored. Uh, I think it was 53 seconds into the game, so he wasted absolutely no time. Uh, whatsoever uh, getting on the board and uh, added a goal later on uh, for his uh, third uh, two goal game uh, in a row. And there's only been one other player in um, Wisconsin Badger history to score two goals in each of his first three games. Um, And that's his name is John Newberry. Interesting thing Hmm. about John Newberry is that in the third round of the 1980 draft, he was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, wow. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> John Newberry played at the University of Wisconsin. Um, as he, like uh, Cole Caulfield, got uh, two goals in each of his first three collegiate games. He went on that season, that was the 1980 season, uh, 80-81 season, uh, to score 30 in 39 games. Um, and he would eventually play for the uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens a little bit. He, he, he played um, in the AHL, played for the Nova Scotia Voyageurs, and then they, when they moved to Sherbrooke, the Sherbrooke Canadiens, uh, he managed uh, 19, sorry, 22 games in the NHL, sorry. Um, but did not score in the, um, in the NHL. So um, uh, NCAA <laughs> um, uh, uh, success does not, not necessarily mean <laughs> NHL success. I don't expect the same thing for Cole Caulfield, different time, uh, different era, let's say, uh, but uh, pretty impressive that he uh, has uh, tied that record set by John Newberry um, He's 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 doing exceptionally well. Uh, he's not with uh, Jack Hughes anymore, as he was uh, on the uni- on the uh, American Development Team. Um, but uh, he's got two great um, line mates in uh, Wiseback and Alex Turcott. Uh, Alex Turcott um, uh, has seven points, and Alex Turcott, of course, taken uh, first round, uh, fifth overall. Uh, at this uh, past June's draft. So uh, those two, uh, two first-round draft choices from the are, are, are a pretty potent weapon, uh, and offense is coming easily for uh, Cole Caulfield and the University of Wisconsin so far. Yeah, that's certainly a pretty potent for uh, well scoring line for the uh, Wisconsin Badgers uh, with Turcotte and Cole Caulfield. So looking for more of the same from uh, Cole Caulfield as the season goes on. Um Another guy, another American prospect for the Montreal Canadiens. He scored his first goal with the Laval Rocket last night, and that was Ryan Paling. And it was a game-winning goal over the uh, Providence Bruins. And it was this uh, nice heavy slap shot that beat Max Legacy and, and gave the, uh, the Rocket the advantage. Um, so a, a nice night last night for Ryan Paling. Obviously, we just talked about Cole Caulfield as well. So more cause for excitement for the Montreal Canadiens I think uh, it's fair to say and uh, and you know I think that if Ryan Paling can continue to do these things score game winning goals play a good 
200-foot game. How long do you think it is until he might be back up with the Montreal Canadiens? It's a great question, and um, I think that uh, we were disappointed. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the Canadians Connection podcast. We were disappointed to see Ryan Paling uh, going to Laval, and and I think um, uh, we don't have to guess. Ryan Paling himself said uh, that he was shocked, he was upset, yeah. he was very disappointed uh, to be sent to Laval. Um, and unfortunately, um, being honest, being direct, being, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, 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 he felt he had done enough to, uh, to, to stay in Montreal, but, uh, expressing those opinions, uh, publicly, uh, not taken very well by the Montreal Canadians and, um, uh, Joel Bouchard has gone out and, and, and it's not, um, it's not any kind of interpretation. Joel Bouchard has said he's gone out of his way to make his life, to make Ryan Paling's life miserable uh, so far, because he didn't like those comments. He didn't like um, the, uh, he said his focus on, on Montreal. He wanted a focus in Laval and uh, Ryan Paling. There's no question. He was punished. Uh, when, when he started, he was, um, on a third line, he, um, got some power play time, but, but, um, was certainly, he was saddled with some, <laughs> with Dale Weiss <laughs> and some other sluggish kind of, uh, line mates. Um, and he wasn't producing and, and, uh, Bouchard was very hard on him in practice, uh, singled him out, uh, a lot. Um, and there seems to be, you know, Joel Bouchard calls it rebooting the hard drive, um, brainwashing, uh, that you, you have to break the, the spirit of, of these young prospects and then build them up. And then uh, that's, his, that's his method. That's, uh, I think it's pretty clear that's his, his method. Um, and uh, Mark Bergevin went last weekend, uh, missed the, the uh, team photo, did Mark Bergevin and, and – uh, uh, went to Rockford to see uh, to see Ryan Paling, and I think give him some words uh, of encouragement. Um, and since then, uh, Ryan Paling, and I, I should say that that the Rockets started the season zero and three, and since then Ryan Paling has received a little more time, uh, been put in uh, key situations to win faceoffs. He's had better line mates in Charles Houdon and Alex Belzeal. Um, and he's, uh, now up to three points, uh, goal and two assists. And as you said, uh, got his, uh, first goal last night where he, um, it was a nice goal. He, he, uh, created a turnover, stole the puck, um, and, uh, skated up the ice and blasted a, uh, a slap shot. So, um, uh, it's, it's, it's been a tough lesson, but um, uh, Ryan Paling is has endured the the worst of it, uh, and uh, I expect now he it won't be long before we see him uh, in a Montreal Canadiens jersey. And I think that would be music to most Montreal Canadiens fans' ears, uh, getting another centerman like Ryan Paling and uh, somebody that has a little bit of a scoring touch. You can never have enough of that. So looking back at the week that was for the Montreal Canadiens, because off the top of the show, I mentioned they're going to be in St. Louis playing the Blues. If we go back to just last week, it's a game against the St. Louis Blues on a Saturday night at the Bell Center. 
And that was a wild one. And uh, Arturi Lekkinen ended up scoring the game-winning goal. It was a 6-3. Just, just it was a, a phenomenal, well, just offensive explosion for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess uh, Max Domi added an empty netter that kind of embellished a little bit. But 6-3 final score uh, with Lekkinen picking up that game winner. Then you go to Tuesday night. It was a little bit more of a disappointing result for the Canadians. They score the first goal with Jeff Petrie. And then their opponent, the Tampa Bay Lightning, rattle off three unanswered goals and uh, kind of break the spirit a little bit of the Montreal Canadiens. But they follow that up with a exciting night at the Bell Center, 4 nothing win over the Minnesota Wild, who have been uh, struggling quite a bit. But the Canadians, I mean, if you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to need to beat up on the teams that you're supposed to beat up on. And they certainly did uh, that night with uh, some some first career NHL goals to boot. So all in all, a a two and one week for the Montreal Canadians. That's not too shabby. Yeah, it was. And we remember going into last Saturday night, the Canadians were coming off uh, uh, not not a lackluster effort against the Detroit Red Wings who are expected maybe to be a a lottery team. And uh, so, I mean, the pressure was, it's early, but the pressure was on. Um, uh, Claude Julien had had uh, complained about their neutral zone play, complained about the first line, and uh, the first line was uh, back on track, I thought. Um, um, Deneau had a goal. Thomas Tatar had two points. Uh, Gallagher had a three-point game. Um, it, it was... It was... Uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a very solid effort. Carey Price was was very good at Saturday night game in, in the bell center. Uh, you mentioned Arturi Lekkinen. Um, he was, uh, led a uh, co-led the Canadians last year in game winners. Got a, got the game winner in that game. Um, it was, it was, a a, a pretty good team effort. Um, and, and again, um, you know, as you said, beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, um, on Thursday night, that was the way it went with, uh, uh, the wild um, for the first, I don't know, 13, 14 minutes, the Canadians looked like they were playing down to their opponent and, yeah. and it, um, you know, nothing was really happening. Um, and uh, then it was, it was Victor Mata that turned the bell center absolutely upside down um, <laughs> ending the longest active goal streak in the NHL. Uh, his first uh, career goal in his hundred and, 27th game um and and you could see the the fans were happy for him uh his teammates were thrilled for him his smile went ear to ear he was just (laughs) absolutely ecstatic to get that off of um you know that 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 off his back um um and then um which i uh, yeah I, i i thought it was was um pretty amazing which then and just to sidetrack a bit this this longest goal streak thing um then that the mantle fell to Hayden Fleury uh Kale's brother um uh because he was next in line with the longest career yeah. uh goalless drought uh 96 games um and he scored his first NHL goal last night <laughs> um for the for the Carolina Hurricanes, so congratulations to him. And if you're wondering who's next on the list, that happens to be Anton Lindholm, 
who has a 62 uh, NHL goalless uh, streak um, uh, in the Colorado uh, organization. And he's, he's not going to get that chance until he gets a call up. He's currently playing in the AHL for the uh, Colorado Eagles. I, I, I uh, just, just that whole uh, train of thought is interesting. And, and I hope that, that, uh, uh, you know, this is going to lift some of the weight off of, off of Victor Metz. And, and we might talk more about Victor a little bit later. Uh, the yeah. game I kind of skipped over was um, because it was a miserable effort. And that was <laughs> the, um, the game against the lightning. Um, and it was odd. It was really odd that um, um, the Canadians seemed to play well. Um, but given the fact that they have, um, marginal talent, let's say, you know, border borderline playoff talent, uh, they can't take any, any time off. Um, and Jeff Petrie said it, uh, Claude Julian said it, Jeff Petrie said it. They have to be a team that, that consistently game in game out plays, uh, 60 minutes and especially going against the president's last year's president's cup winner yeah you can't take time off so yeah for about 10 minutes they they stopped skating they stopped working they 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 did a lot of watching they didn't get a shot in those 10 minutes and tampa scored three goals in that time and that was the game um you know it it was and and people were uh, canadians fans were grumbly and they blamed this person and that person and Carey Price and Vaskalevsky beating. It was silly. It was uh, oh, Steven Stamkos, one-timer. Uh, two of the goals, one came off of Petrie's stick, one came off of Duran's stick. Uh, Duran losing a battle uh, against Stamkos and, and Coburn getting that goal. And um, I mean, it was just mistake after mistake after mistake. The third line, which has been the Canadians' best, was horrible. Uh, yeah. And Claude Julien called him out by name after the game. Kakinemi wasn't happy with Duran, who had just come off of that big ovation, going up against his his old team. And you figure, here we go. He was the worst forward on the ice that night, and um, it was just a it, it was it was terrible. Um, and and uh, you know it it was a really disappointing effort after the Canadians had. Uh, had played so well against the former uh, cup champs. And, you know, at a certain point, uh, listen, they followed it up with a good feel good effort against the Minnesota wild. And certainly the game before was uh, pretty impressive against the defending cup champs. But at a certain point, they're going to have to start being a little bit more competitive against teams in their own division. And I understand that they beat the Maple Leafs six to five and that shootout victory. And that was, you know, a great game. That was a lot of fun. But that was also Toronto on a second night of a back-to-back with Michael Hutchinson in net. And uh, listen, I, I think that it still doesn't take away from Montreal's resilience in that game. But at a certain point against a team like Tampa Bay especially, the Canadians are going to need to come up with a more consistent effort. And that, and that includes Jonathan Drouin, who I was really disappointed with because coming off, as you mentioned, off of that game in, against St. Louis, he had that ovation. He should have felt comfortable enough with where his game was to go out there and, and deliver for, for Montreal against his former team. And I mean, other than the first shift, which I mean, he had a 
a decent shot at Vasilevsky and cut had a decent shot at Vasilevsky. After that, it was, it was nothing but downhill for that third line, which, which has been very good this season. Um, but yeah, we'll see how he performs tonight against the uh, blues again. Hopefully works off of that uh, performance last week, but uh, yeah. So moving on because there was actually some interesting comments made about a line mate who you just mentioned uh, of Jonathan Drouin, which was Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And it was, it was comments made by Brian Burke and uh, he was on Tim and Sid and he was talking about the Montreal Canadians. And he said that Jesperi Kotkaniemi has been uh, resuscitating the career of Jonathan Drouin. And that is some high praise. Um, he, he went on to say that they've kind of been working in tandem and, and Jonathan Drouin has kind of maybe brought another gear offensively and, and vice versa. They've, they've been, they've been working off of each other, but he did give Jesperi Kutkaniemi a lot of credit for the way that Jonathan Drouin has been performing to this point. Uh, what did you make of those comments? It was very interesting. Uh, first, I appreciate uh, an outside Mon- uh, a, a view from outside of Montreal yeah. uh, to how how this team is being perceived, how the individuals are being perceived. Um, and Brian Burke is is uh, you know not one to uh, hold his words. He's he's usually <laughs> very direct. He's usually pretty accurate. Uh, you know, he's not. Uh, bombastic and and he watches a lot of hockey watches a lot of hockey from all over he's not one of these um uh, toronto centered media who only watch toronto he watches a lot of hockey so um for him to say uh that he's been impressed with kotkaniemi impressed with duran too but he said that yeah um his feeling was that duran was lost completely lost and he said when you're when you're lost in the forest Sometimes you need somebody to help you walk out. Uh, and he, he labeled Kotkaniemi as that, as somebody to help him find what uh, needs to be done. And, and I think, um, you know, Kotkaniemi had a, had a, a, a tough uh, preseason as well, but nobody can um, criticize, uh, and certainly not the way Duran was criticized. No one can criticize Kotkaniemi for his work work ethic. Um, he worked hard all through um, uh, preseason. It it just looked like he he was just out of sync. He he was getting used to. Well, he said he hadn't played that many games um, uh, and and in in uh, the off season, and he just he felt funny, and he was getting used to having more weight to carry and, and uh, bounce on his skates and all that. And, and, um, but it was the work ethic that was there and it's always been there. Uh, and I think that, that Jonathan Duran has started to latch on to that a little bit. Um, and in, in that respect, I can, I can agree um, with Brian Berg. Uh, it was an odd way to f- phrase it. And I had to think about it for a bit. Um, but I think that, that uh, I think that he's onto something there. And it's, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of people um, uh, saying, Oh, Duran should play with Domi. And, and I think he will for short, for short periods. And, and, uh, but those two, those two don't, um, don't have very good influence on each other. Uh, <laughs> and we saw that last year where, where, Duran made made Domi worse, and Domi made Duran. They just they didn't have that same kind of 
of uh, positive impact that Kakinemi and Duran have had on each other. Uh, and so I hope that, and, and as well, uh, as we've seen, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not against the, the top matchups necessarily. So they're able to take advantage. Um, so I, uh, it's something to say, Oh, that's interesting. And uh, let's see how that plays out and, and good on Brian Burke for uh, phrasing it in a way that, that makes us think. Yeah. And, and I mean, he goes on in, in the interview to, uh, to credit old army as well for his contributions to that line uh, as well. So uh, certainly been the, the best line to this point for the Canadians. So hopefully that continues for uh, both is very cut and uh, Jonathan drew Um And finally, just a, a quick point on the, the left-handed defenseman situation, the left shot D that has been a little bit of a question mark for, for this season. And, um, it was reported by Elliot Friedman in his 31 thoughts that maybe the Canadians would be interested in defensemen from the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Yuso Rikola, which, uh, you know, is somebody, another Finnish born player, because as we discussed last week, the Canadians either have to have Canadians or Finnish born players. <laughs> that is the, that is the key point. You have to be one of the two, but um, in addition to that, there has also been a heavy presence at Sharks games leading some to wonder if it might be interest in Mark Edward Vlasic, who uh, has said that he wouldn't necessarily want to play in Montreal, but that's, that's led to speculation nonetheless. Now it sounds like today you could use a Ricola lozenge. Yeah. Is that, is that it fair does. to say? That is true. <laughs> that is that true. Fair? I could probably use one of those, maybe two. Is there any association? I don't think there's any association. Uh, UC Ricola is is um, uh, probably one of those names you you haven't uh, heard very much about. Um, uh, it was his first uh, season in North America last year. Um, uh, just 37 games with the Penguins, five points in in that that time. Spent a couple of games uh, with Wilkes-Barre uh, Scranton. Um, he's only appeared in, uh, one game, uh, this year for the Penguins. Um, and it was, it was not, it was not on defense. Um, <laughs> uh, he played on the fourth line, which is odd. Uh, so, um, it, it looks like he's not fitting into, uh, the plans of, of the Penguins. Um, young guy, 25 years old, uh, you know, he played in, in the, the, uh, Finnish elite league uh, for Kalpa. And, and um, uh, so I, I, I hmm, is it with the Canadians, I, I think on the left side and, and we heard Claude Julian uh, say rather directly this week, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can with what <laughs> I've got. Essentially I'm paraphrasing, but, yeah. but um, he kind of complained. I'm sure he's complained many times, privately to Mark Bergevin, but he came out and said, you know, I'm doing my best here. What do you expect? Kind of thing. <laughs> um, and the Canadians, it isn't their shortage of defensemen. It's their shortage of quality defensemen. And it has players playing above the roles that they have the talent for. We know um, Victor Mata probably uh, isn't a first pairing defenseman. We said from the moment he was signed, uh, Sherratt is not a second pairing defenseman and we got piled on by everybody on social <laughs> media, but it turns out that was pretty accurate. And Sherratt has looked good in the third slot. 
the third pairing slot. Uh, Kulak is kind of a reach at second pairing, but he's kind of the best there is right now to play with uh, Petrie. So, um, yeah, is is Ricola an answer? I don't know. The other one you mentioned with the Canadians scouting uh, San Jose, Mark Edward Vlasic. Uh, I would just say, God, no, nothing against <laughs> Vlasic, but um, his contract is a beast. And that's the last yeah. thing that the Canadians need right now. I understand born in Montreal. I understand he played for the Ramparts. I understand all of the reasons you might be looking at him, but please, God, no, uh, that 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 is not something I would like to see. And I, I I like I like Vlasic. I've been a fan of his for uh, many years. But yeah, that is financially it just would not make sense. Um, so we're gonna take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and when we come back, we're gonna bring back winners and losers and discuss who we've liked, what we've liked from this past week, and what we haven't liked so much. So stick around. We'll be back after this with some winners and losers. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and we're bringing back a segment called Winners and Losers, where we discuss the things that we like, the things that we don't necessarily like. So without any further ado, let's start with some winners and losers. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers on the Canadians Connection. So, Rick. By popular demand. Yeah. By very popular demand, we bring the this thing back. The most loved segment. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, so Rick, you talked about Victor Meta in the opening segment, and I couldn't go anywhere else than talk about Victor Meta here because I was on the most recent episode of the Have a Listen podcast, and we discussed, you know, is Victor Meta a first pairing defenseman? I mean, probably not. And, you know, uh, Lewis gave his thoughts. Gibby gave his thoughts, and I chimed in and said, you know what, listen, he might not be a top-pairing defenseman, but I think he'd be a pretty good top four. And little did we know, the next day, he would step up and score his first career NHL goal. You said it, after 127 games, or well, in his 127th game, he finally gets that goal. And it got me thinking about it, because, well, first of all, I'm very excited at the idea of maybe now he can feel just a little bit more confident about himself. And, and maybe that is an answer to the, the struggles that he and Shea Weber have kind of been having. I mean, you mentioned the third line against Tampa Bay on the first goal. It was the third line and Shea Weber and Victor Meta who were caught out there for just a, a really extended period of time. Um, and, you know, maybe the, thing that needed to happen for Victor Meta to feel as though he could contribute to, you know, the team's success was just to score a goal and get that thing out of the way. Is he going to be, you know, is he going to break through now and then be that first pairing defenseman? I don't think so, but it might, it, it just might increase his confidence. Just that little bit that's required for him to go out there and believe that he can contribute to team success at this level. Because if you go through the motions for 126 games and it just doesn't feel like you can break through in that way and, and score goals and be that positive influence, then at, at a certain point, that's got to weigh on you. Whether or not he would, you know, he downplayed, you know, a little bit in his interview with John Liu and said, oh, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it all that much. But it, it's got to be weighing on you just a little bit to, to go through those games and, and to just have everything go against you in terms of kind of luck. Cause you remember back to last year. And the first thing that I thought about was there was a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins last year where Andrew Shaw was called for goaltender interference on a goal that would have been Victor yeah, Metz's first. And I, I remember when they announced that that goal was disallowed. I'm not going to say what Andrew Shaw, Shaw said because it's a family show, but he panned to his face on the bench and he could not believe it. He, you could tell that he was, he felt so bad for, for, you know, and, and I was wondering what his thoughts would be having seen that now that Victor Meta had scored his first goal, uh, almost, well, almost a year later. So he posted he, on social media. Did he uh, actually? He did. Okay. He did on, uh, um, I believe it was on Instagram. Uh, but I, you know, for, uh, an opponent now with the Chicago Blackhawks, yeah. Andrew Shaw. And I'm sorry for interrupting, but this relates no, to what you're no. saying. I, his, yeah. his, his post was simple as a way to go kid or something like that, <laughs> but it relates specifically because he obviously yeah. felt bad, uh, and yep. he knows what the pressure was. And he was one of the first to congratulate Victor Meta, uh, which I thought was remarkable and good on, on Andrew Shaw for doing that. And I appreciate you for doing that. Cause I actually didn't see that. So, so yeah, like that, that's the perfect thing too, because I mean, you, you go back to last year and, and that got away on, on Andrew Shaw then. And so, but yeah, it, it was definitely a great moment at the bell center and, and they erupted in a way that it just, it took me back to playoff games, the way that that building exploded and, and just, 
joy for Victor Meta and the look on his face, the proud dad smile on Shea Weber's face as he came over. It was just, it was a great moment. And uh, certainly, um, you know, you couldn't help but be happy for, uh, for Victor uh, and, and certainly hope there are many more to come. Uh, <laughs> you definitely, now that he's got the first one, now they're just going to come in bunches. It was really interesting uh, post game. And of course, Victor was, was, uh, you know, just uh, overjoyed. Um, but it was Nick Cousins who set up that goal. Uh, Nick Cousins yeah. um, got the puck behind the net. Uh, Mata called for it. Um, and uh, Cousins found him. And, and when Cousins was interviewed, it was, it was Nick Cousins' first point uh, in a Canadian's jersey. And, and, uh, and of course, he had been uh, scratched and out of the lineup. So um, it, was, it was a bit of a, a relief for him, too. Um, hadn't played for, for three weeks. He said he was kind of overthinking in the first period. Uh, finally got to play a game and, and was only too happy to be part of it, this. And, and he, you know, he figured out pretty quickly that it was a big deal given the crowd's reaction, given the teammates reaction cousins uh, yeah. figured it was okay. This is a big deal. But he said to um, uh, reporters, um, how many games was it? And somebody said 127 and, and genuinely uh, Nick Cousins said, Whoa, like, <laughs> like it was, it was an enormous drought. And he said, okay, uh, Victor, if you're listening, I like my steak, medium rare dinner in St. Louis at the Capitol <laughs> grill. And, and it was fun. It was fun. It was a fun moment for the, for the entire team. Yeah, and I mean, you couldn't, uh, yeah, the look on all of their faces of the team and, and Carey Price coming out to the, uh, to the circle to give him a little, uh, give him a little fist bump as well. So it was, it was a full team celebration and the, the Bell Center erupted and it was, it was just, it was fantastic. It was everything that I thought that Victor Mesa scoring his first career goal would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, good on him. And, and as you said, they've, they've struggled. They've uh, defensively, they've been called out by their coach. Julian said, you know, um, uh, Mesa has, has, has been turning pucks over. He's uh, had trouble closing the gap. Um, and, and kind of, uh, you know, when people were asking about Weber said, uh, it's not Weber's fault sort of thing. And kind of the pointed the finger at Meta and, and, and maybe that's, uh, helped motivate him. But like I say, hopefully, uh, and you said it, uh, this, this, this focus on getting his first goal helps him on the back end too, because it doesn't become such a preoccupation. Yeah. And it's just it's just off the mind completely. He doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, so Rick, for your winner of the week, you've got a bit of a I'm having route. a hard time. I'm really <laughs> having a hard time. I'm so, having a hard time. I'm going to need your help. Okay, I'm willing to help. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so I figured the only way to do this. It's early in the season, but uh, I'm I'm calling this top five in five. Five on five. Okay. I was born on November fifth, so the the okay. five yeah. is important to me. It's going to be all about fives here. So right. I've picked I've picked five categories, five player categories, and we're going to look at the top five players in each category. And these categories are for five on five play. 
Have I confused you enough yet? I'm Um, following to this point. Great. So I'm going to ask you, you know, who has the most in, in these categories? You give me an answer and we'll see if it's, we'll see if it's one of the top five. All right. And then that will lead, it will work our way towards, (laughs) we need the Jeopardy music. We really do. Yeah, we do though. Let's be. So who do you think has the most hits so far on the Montreal Canadiens? That's a tough one. Uh, most hits. Well, conventional wisdom, wisdom I, w- I would say probably Shea Weber, but I don't know if it's him. Um, I'll go with I'll go with I'll go with Yoel Armia. He's been depossessing a lot of players. Well, you know what? You're, th- this is why you're on the Canadian. This is why <laughs> you co-host the Canadians Connection podcast. Because look, of the top five, you picked two of the players. Ah. Number, not right. the number one, but two of the five you, you nailed. Okay. So for most right. hits so far, we have Sherratt in the number one position. Really? Okay. Hmm. Ben Sherratt, number one. Philip Deneau, number two, Oof. which might surprise you. Yeah, that's... Hmm. Joel Armia, number three. Shea Weber, number four. And Arturi Lekanen, number five. Top hit, uh, the most hits... For the Montreal Canadiens, we have Sherratt, Deneau, Armia, Weber, and Lekkonen. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. We learned some things there. That's informative. Um, for face-offs, who's been best? And I, I realize uh, there's some players who don't take face-offs, so this is kind yeah. of, you know, we're, we're excluding some, maybe needlessly. But, but who's been best in the face-off circle to date for for the Canadians, I'm going to go with Phil Deneau. That that seems to make sense. Phil Deneau is on the list. So ding ding once again. All right, um, <laughs> you are correct. He's number four though. Okay. Wow. Wheel is number one. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Nate Thompson, number two. Now, here's the surprise. Max Domi is number three. Wow. Hmm. Number four is uh, Phil uh, Deneau, and then number five is Jesperi Kotkaniemi. So, okay. Wheel, Thompson, Domi, Deneau, and Kotkaniemi. Yeah. Now, the Canadians this season, but again, you're, you're right in there, so uh, nicely done. Um, the Canadians have a pretty good not unlike uh, unlike last year, they have a pretty good power play this uh, this year. Um, power play currently is is humming along at twenty three percent. That's uh, good for twelfth, uh, which is way better than the thirtieth that they ended last year. Twenty three percent on the power play, so it's important to draw penalties. Now, oh, okay. who are the top five players? currently in drawing penalties okay who's drawn a lot of penalties um hmm. and i'll give you a hint it isn't thomas tatar he's taken a lot it's been the other way um okay uh i'm gonna say uh jeff petrie's probably in there Oh, yeah, and and I, I should say let's let's say that I'm putting poor Joe oh, on the spot. No. First, yeah, first he's he's ill, and and yeah. we learned in the break <laughs> he's taking Fisherman's Friend, not Ricola. 
um, yeah. which makes sense for a Newfoundlander. Uh, and yes, secondly, yes. he's had a week full of midterms, the poor guy. Yeah. And he's been on another <laughs> podcast. So he's been yeah. taxed to the max. And now I'm putting him through this quiz. Uh, so well, you I, got I, your I first... should say, Petrie, I was thinking of because the stick was thrown on, but that wasn't technically a penalty that went led to a power play. So that's, that's my <laughs> bad. <laughs> so your first miss, um, uh, the top five penalties drawn so far. Yol Armia at the top, drawing wow. the most penalties. Paul Byron, who's been pretty quiet this year, um, yeah. but with his speed, has drawn the second most number of penalties. Arturi Lekkonen, number three. I was going to say him. <laughs> Max Domi, number four, and Brendan Gallagher, number five. Wow, Okay. Yeah, he's frustrating. He's frustrating. He's, yeah. Gallagher's frustrating uh, opponents and making them take penalties. So, uh, for penalties drawn, that's Armia, Byron, Lekkonen, Domi, and Gallagher. Okay. Um, now, it's not only important to uh, score goals, but it's it's creating high danger scoring chances to get those goals. Yeah. So who are the top five players so far in creating high danger scoring chances? And again, no power play. This is five on five. All of these categories are five on five. So who has created the most high danger scoring chances to date for the Montreal Canadiens? Well, I would have to think because their possession numbers without even looking at them, I know are already are insane. It's it's got to be Armia. Uh, he's probably up there, but uh, between Armia and Kotkaniemi, they have to be up there. Well, um, the third line does not appear on creating high danger wow. scoring chances. Yeah, I know. Wow. It, that's a surprise. That's, that, that's a yeah. That is genuinely a surprise. Um, so yeah, exactly. We're learning things here. High <laughs> danger scoring chances. The uh, at the top of the list. Brendan Gallagher, that's yeah. creating the most high danger scoring chances. Um, second, and this is odd, Jordan Wheel. That is odd. <laughs> Thomas Tatar, uh, that first line, Gallagher and Tatar, uh, the one and three slot. Number four, this will shock you, Nate Thompson. Well, yeah, okay. He's he's playing well. He and has, number five, he can get out of the rush. Yeah, he has exactly, and and creating um, scoring chances. Uh, number five is Arturi Lekkonen. So ah. creating high danger <laughs> scoring chances. We have Gallagher, Wheel, Tatar, Thompson, and Lekkonen. And finally, who has uh, accumulated the most points? Five on five, not not uh, counting uh, power play points or shorthanded points. Who has accumulated the most five-on-five points for the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, I'm going to go with Gallagher. He seems to be the common, <laughs> the common denominator. Uh, there you go. Finish strong. All right. Three for uh, five. You got the number one answer. Uh, you're absolutely right. Brendan Gallagher, uh, most points, five-on-five five, uh, so far. Yeah. In second place, uh, Jonathan Duran. Um, okay. He makes an entry onto our our uh, 
our our categories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> our, our five categories. There's Jonathan Duran. Number three, the most points five on five, Arturi Lekkonen. Mm. Number four, uh, Max Domi. Number five, Philip Deneau. That makes sense. So what did mm. we learn from yeah. this? And, and how does this help us formulate our our um, winner of the week. And um, we have in these categories, um, we have Jonathan Duran mentioned once. We have Yoel Armia mentioned twice. You, we have Philip Deneau, Brendan Gallagher, and Max Domi mentioned three times. But there is only one player who appeared in four out of the five categories. Hmm. And unfortunately, he's ineligible for one of the categories. He's ineligible for the face-off category, so Uh, he didn't appear in there. But he (laughs) appears in every single category that he's eligible for. And that is Arturi Lekkonen. Amazing. Yeah, that's a great start. And uh, Arturi Lekkonen uh, has also uh, scored a, a game-winning goal. Uh, he has. The only other one is Victor Meta. Those are the two who have game-winning goals. So uh, Arturi <laughs> Lekkonen, I, I know there's lots of conversation, and you, you even touched on it in the Habilisten. There's all kinds of people saying, oh, why is Arturi Lekkonen in the top six? Why is Arturi Lekkonen on the second line? Why is Arturi Lekkonen playing with Max Domi. Um, he should be on the third line. He should be on the fourth line. Well, he can be there if you want the Canadians to play much worse. For all of those yeah. who want the Canadians to fail, keep advocating that Lekkonen should be down in the lineup. Because right now, Lekkonen is forechecking. He's retrieving pucks. He's disrupting the neutral zone. He's creating turnover. He's playing well defensively in his own end. And he's creating uh, scoring chances. Um, so we know that he's, he's been uh, part of the category in most hits, penalties drawn, high, creating high danger scoring chances, and five on five points. So for all of those reasons, and thank you for your help with that in determining <laughs> that Arturi Lekkonen is my winner of the week. Well, yeah, that is a, a well-deserved, uh, and, and certainly it's interesting to go through all of those statistics and kind of see who are the common denominators, who are the guys that are affecting and influencing Montreal in as many different ways as they can. And, and Arturi Lekkonen is a guy that does that on a nightly basis. He does whatever it takes to win. And uh, certainly last week it, with, with the game-winning goal, he, he has an ability to come through in the clutch that you know a lot of the guys in the Canadians haven't shown to have. So he's, he's definitely worth being on the second line. Um, so shifting over to the losers of the week, and we'll do this very quickly. Mine is Claude Julian. And it is simply because Jesperi Kotkaniemi has not played more than 15 minutes in any game this season. The most time on ice that he's had in a single game is 14 minutes and 39 seconds. And that was against Detroit. So, And last week, you go back to last week against the Blues, he only played 11 minutes, 31 seconds. So I I don't quite understand. His average time on ice 
is down by 30 seconds from last year. And I know it's only through seven games, but I was genuinely looking forward to Jesperi Kotkaniemi getting more opportunities to play and being more of a, a, a guy that had the trust of Claude Julian. Because before we can talk about how much Nick Suzuki is playing or how much Kale Fleury is playing, we need to talk about how much Jesperi Kotkaniemi is playing because he's the guy that they went and drafted third overall last year. We just talked about how Brian Burke, from the outsider's perspective, views a guy like Yasperi Kotkaniemi as kind of resuscitating the career of Jonathan Drouin and, and helping him, you know, find his way a little bit. So, so for me, him not playing more than 15 minutes at any point this season, that is very concerning because we've been talking about youth movements. And this is a guy that's not in his rookie season anymore. He's a sophomore. So you need to give him a little bit more rope, give him a little bit more leash to, to try things and, and not feel as though everything that he does is going to be scrutinized. Because as we saw against the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning, he was down on the fourth line playing the wing. And, and it was just, it was weird. It, you, you don't do that. Not at this point for Yasperi Kotkaniemi, especially when that third line has produced offense for you in a way that, to this point, there there hasn't really been a, a line that's been better than them at doing that, at least five on five. So, you know, when I when I see that, that's really concerning. And and the fact that, you know, I understand that Nate Thompson and, and, and Phil Deneau are going to get the penalty kill time, but you need to find time for Yasperi Kakinami to play. And, and, you know, quite frankly, 14, uh, 13 minutes and 14 seconds of average time on ice, that's not good enough at this point. Yeah, I, I, there's there's some disappointment for me uh, too in uh, Claude Julien. Um, he, uh, we know that um, he's he almost feels that that the players are ir- irre- irrelevant. That he has such a, a, a such faith in the system he's designed, such faith in the tactics, uh, preaches to play the system, and and that's why he's he's. Um, in, in the past, he's been so reluctant to uh, make changes to uh, on the fly. He, he just uh, p- kind of preaches uh, persistence with the system, and it, it'll work. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you um, uh, completely as as far as as uh, the way he's managed this year. And you know, things that he touches aren't necessarily working out. And and my losers were going to be the defense. Um, and the, the penalty kill and, and, uh, for that right away, you look to Luke Richardson. However, um, Claude Julian's played a much more active role this year in running the penalty kill. And, and we certainly saw this week in practice, um, you know, it was Luke Richardson taking guys off, uh, and speaking to them privately, but, uh, ahead of the penalty kill drills, it was Claude Julian who spoke for, uh, I don't know, a dozen minutes or so. Uh, and then he was just screaming at the penalty killers the whole time. It was, and he had the whistle. It was clear that he was in charge of running the the penalty kill drills. And and we've seen that that the penalty kill is just out of sync. It's it's uh, there's been bad positioning. It seems the penalty killers don't know where to uh, where to go. Uh, the seam passes getting through. Um, uh, shots are getting through. Um, and, uh, you know, too many times I think they've been passive, uh, uh, yet 
even at that, they're they're uh, they're they're getting stretched out and and um, uh, letting too many passes through. So the 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 penalty kill right now is 26th in the in the uh, league at at below 70 percent. Uh, defense has been um, a wreck, and part of that part of that's got to go to um, um, Mark Bergeron for not upgrading the the defense at all over the uh in the off season um and i guess you you heard Claude Julian kind of being exasperated saying listen i'm doing the best that i can but they have to acknowledge of what they have and and what they need to work with and and uh we saw Fleury come in and and uh and he was a little bit better um and and i thought he was decent uh we'll update his status when we preview the 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 game today but uh, the Canadians going into that game on um, uh, Thursday against the Wild were 30th in giving up shots from the slot, uh, def- and and so that's the that's on the defensive side. That if that also um, relates to the penalty kill. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on your Claude Julian, but specifically as it relates to uh, the Canadians' defense and uh, the the penalty kill. Uh, those two uh, aspects of the Canadians game are my loser uh, losers of the week. Well, we'll see how that that fares today against the uh, St. Louis Blues in the in the season series finale. So, we're going to take a quick break, and as Rick mentioned, we're going to come back and we're going to preview that game, update statuses on on a Kale Fleury, who, as you mentioned, looked a, a little bit better and than he had in his previous games uh, against the Minnesota Wild. So. We're going to talk about all that after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. 
That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We're just talking about the uh, goaltending matchup for tonight's game, which uh, figures to be uh, Carey Price versus Jake Allen in the uh, St. Louis net. So that's going to be a, an intriguing matchup. Uh, not seeing Jordan Bennington uh, as we did last week, but uh, Jake Allen instead. Um, and, and sticking with the theme of goaltenders, because you'd expect this is going to be a back-to-back today and tomorrow when they play uh, the Minnesota Wild again. Uh, you'd expect to see Keith Kincaid in one of those games. He did leave practice momentarily after taking, it looked like he took a, like a harder shot off the inside part of the blocker, where his palm, where his hand would be. Uh, and he, he did return later. So that would leave you to believe that he's probably okay to play tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild. But uh, tonight we have Kale Fleury, who's not in the lineup. Yeah, Kale Fleury out. Um, uh, the the mention is that it's a, a slight injury, and uh, so so he won't be playing. Uh, Christian Folan is uh, will be in in his place, um, and uh, as you said, Carey Price in uh, tonight. Uh, and and I think from what Keith Kincaid said, uh, he'll be good. And Claude Julian uh, didn't necessarily announce who was going to start when until. It yeah. was confirmed that uh, uh, Price was started, but uh, just as we went on the air, it was confirmed. Uh, so uh, Julian had said that they would be using both goaltenders this weekend. So I guess that means that Keith Kincaid will be starting against Minnesota. And and uh, yeah, for it was a bit of a scare at practice uh, yeah. Friday at Broussard. Um Carey Price was taking a maintenance day, as was uh, Shea Weber. And uh, so for a short time, uh, the Canadians didn't have a goalie at practice. <laughs> uh, Stefan Waite was worried he was going to have to pad up and, and go. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it, it was uh, – Keith Kincaid described it as, as his hand was pinched uh, when he got a shot up under the blocker. And, and uh, yeah. uh, so that will be interesting. It will also be interesting um, – now, we've we've heard of no other changes, but Jordan Wheel in Friday's practice – Jordan Wheel was practicing back on the power play um, again, and and um, that whole Jordan Wheel fascination, um, particularly on the power play, uh, is odd to me because uh, his best season, Jordan Wheel has eight goals, um, but I guess uh, Claude Julien sees something uh, he likes, and uh, yeah, um, but uh, uh, Jordan Wheel sat out against Minnesota and and. Uh, uh, it looks like that will uh, be the case again today. Yeah, uh, you you would have to expect that it would be with with Nick Cousins picking up the assist on the Mets goal and and as I said in my in my loser of the week, I mean you have to find ice time somewhere for Yasperi Kotkaniemi, and the power play would be a pretty good place to start. So just having a weird fascination with a guy uh, who, as you mentioned, pr- production wise, there's really no reason why you would want to have wheel on the ice over Kakanyami, but regardless, that is a, a topic for another day. The weird Claude Julian fascinations. But anyways, um, speaking of players that are out of, yeah. speaking of players that are out of the lineup, um, 
I don't expect we're going to be seeing Erickson Eck uh, uh, tomorrow uh, in the Minnesota lineup. Um, he left the, the Bell Center the other night in a walking boot. Um, and uh, <laughs> no reason, uh, the reason being uh, on the same penalty kill, uh, stood in the way of three oh. Shea Weber uh, yeah. slap shots. And uh, they're listing it just as a lower body injury, but my goodness, uh, that was, uh, he was in obvious pain. As I said, he left the, um, the game in a, in a walking boot. And uh, interestingly enough, from the Iowa Wild, uh, Minnesota has recalled former Canadian Gabrielle Dumont. Oh, uh, wow. From the Iowa Iowa (laughs) Wild. So we may see tomorrow, uh, again, another matinee, uh, more or less, uh, Gabrielle Dumont in the lineup. We'll we'll, we'll pay attention to that and see if if, uh, he's there. It'll be a welcome sight, but... uh... (laughs) The uh, so the Canadians playing today in uh, St. Louis, uh, the Laval Rocket playing as well after the uh, game last night and against Providence. So you have double-barreled action for the uh, Montreal Canadiens and their farm team. So uh, as we as we speak right now, it'll be less than an hour until the Montreal Canadiens are playing, and then the Laval Rocket playing uh, later on as well. It's um, yeah. And, and for our coverage, uh, you know, um, be sure to, to follow uh, us on, on, on Twitter. Uh, and later tonight, the, the rocket game, uh, I believe is at 7 PM. Uh, that's a home game with the Hershey bears in town. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting because uh, of course, Carl uh, Alsner um, uh, going up against his former organization, uh, but the uh, the Laval Rocket are on a three-game winning streak after starting the season 0-3. Uh, so pay attention to our coverage, and then you'll want to follow uh, the AHL report on on uh, on Twitter. And uh, Amy Johnson will be uh, covering the game. Chris G will be in the building, and will be uh, uh, collecting quotes and whatnot in the post-game scrum. So. Uh, be sure to head to our sister site, the H, uh, the uh, AHL report. That's AHL.report or AHLreport.com, however you choose to get there, uh, for uh, all kinds of Laval Rocket coverage. And then Chris and Amy providing some some great coverage, uh, Amy, for both the uh, Laval Rocket and the uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And Chris, yes, down at Plas Bell, getting all of the, the quotes and, and, and such. So, Definitely worth following along with their coverage. So uh, with all that said, say it's just about that time that we uh, wrap things up for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, as we say, the Canadians are going to be playing in less than an hour. It's, it's weird to have the Canadians playing so soon after we wrap things up. So, uh, but, but that'll leave the question of the week. We're probably going to leave that one. We'll leave that one for next week as well, because it's going to be a, the question regarding Cole Caulfield and how many goals he's going to score for the Wisconsin Badgers this year. We'll leave that because that's going to be, I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time now before he scores two more goals in every game that he plays for the next <laughs> forever. <laughs> and uh, Cole is in action tonight against UMD again, and I'll be keeping an eye on, on that game as well. Uh, between now and game time, head to allhabs.net. You'll want to uh, 
look at our game day preview and uh, that'll get you ready for uh, the action uh, that prepared uh, by myself and Sam Gerber. Um, and also um, uh, you probably have time to listen to a podcast uh, and we've had several uh, excellent podcasts drop during the week. Of course, uh, Canadians connection is this live podcast every Saturday. We also have from the press box, our focus on prospects and uh, the American hockey league. We have have a listen with Lewis Gibby and Joe, who was the special <laughs> guest this week, and uh, Habs Unfiltered with Blaine, Treg, and Matt, all under the Rocket Sports Radio umbrella. And yes, you can find those on allhabs.net, but if you listen on demand, and you can find them on your favorite podcasting platforms, including Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, just search for Rocket Sports Radio and hit that subscribe button, and you get all four of those lovely podcasts that Rick just mentioned. So we'll be back with you this time next week to discuss all things Montreal Canadiens. So uh, we'll say goodbye for now and enjoy the game tonight or today rather against the St. Louis Blues. And we will talk to you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.